Hey everyone, this is Brian from Michigan Brews. You'll probably notice going into this first episode, and some episodes after, that the audio quality may be a little wonky, and we may make some references to intros and outros that actually exist now, especially on the podcast. Uh, just a little backstory, we originally started as a live stream show, and later, around episode 50, decided that we should sort of backtrack and put all of our episodes out there in podcast format as well, which is what you're listening to right now. Occasionally, you may hear references to things that are only on video or comments that people are making live in chat. Sorry if there's any oddities to the way that the conversation flows and know that we're definitely conscious of it going forward. Again, thank you so much for listening, and please do tune in live most Mondays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we love the live chat interaction. Uh, we hope to see you there. Cheers. where we have cool intro music and <laughs> fireworks and some neat shit right next time next time two, next, two time. next times <laughs> well hey thanks everybody for joining us tonight uh it's our first inaugural live stream of the michigan brews uh whatever the hell we are um <laughs> so there's uh there's there's myself jordan and brian we decided to do this to uh engage the michigan brewing community uh, home brewers, professional brewers. Uh, we're looking to educate, promote, share information related to brewing, and enjoy uh, just enjoy some craft beer. Um, we're all avid home brewers. We love the hobby, uh, and and this great community in Michigan. It's been a, an amazing uh, uh, journey to meet all of these people across the state that are home brewers and brewers and and get together and share information. So, really, we just love talking about uh, you know home brewing and beer. And during the recent or due to the recent events, you know, we can't get together in our, our club meetings. So we're doing a lot more stuff virtual uh, and we're looking to just expand our discussions, include other people in, in and about the, the Michigan brewing community, uh, you know, share some insights, get some stories um, and, and just talk to people, uh, you know, brewers, pro brewers, home brewers, festival organizers, um, you know, take a, a peek behind the curtain of what makes us an amazing community. Uh, so that said, I'm Jason. Uh, I've been homebrewing for about seven years. Uh, man, I, I, I brew everything. I got into brewing because uh, I really wanted an IPA that 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 was hit you know hit more of my palate. And uh, um, you know, Trevor, our guest tonight, he kind of helped me and guided me along on that initial journey and got me into this thing. Uh, and and uh, and since then, it's been going gangbusters. So, Brian. Uh, yeah, I'm Brian Stevens. Um, I've been brewing for about five years now maybe six it's one year less than jordan because jordan uh is the guy that got me into brewing oh so long ago uh i basically got jealous that him and a couple other buddies started uh brewing uh their first beer with a what it was at the bells it was the bells homebrew competition right yeah it was the second annual bells homebrew so that's yeah. kind of how i kind of keep track how long we've been brewing okay yeah so so one year less than you and uh yeah i i, uh, I just I got hooked. It became, a, a, I guess, more of an obsession than a hobby, uh, maybe. And so, uh, yeah, here I am with a basement full of brewing gear doing 
whatever this is with two guys oh, I yeah. love. So, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Jordan? Yeah. yeah. And Jordan Brady, I've been brewing, uh, well, I guess not to – I don't know how how long. So one year uh, yeah. longer than Brian. <laughs> um, yeah, got got into it. Um, well, one of our other mutual friends uh, approached approached me and said, "Hey, you know, let's let's do this." And you know, said, "Sure, why not?" You know, went out to the Bell's homebrew uh, homebrew fest kickoff, uh, and you know, got a free batch of wort and had absolutely no idea what the hell I was doing. Uh, yeah, but yeah, here we are, however many years later, you know, got, you know, Brian into have met, met Jason through, you know, our, our local homebrew club. And uh, yeah, it's turned into uh, quite a passion of mine. Nice. So one of the things we're going to try to do, we're trying to come up with, you know, how this, this, uh, the flow and the format this show is going to work. And, and we thought it important since this was brew and brewing related or brew brewing and beer related that we would talk about the beers that we're drinking on stream tonight um you know the the, the first beer i've got tapped is just some homebrew it's a orange uh creamsicle ipa that i brewed a couple of weeks ago um and then later on in the show we're going to get into a, a beer that that uh, our guest has picked for us to try and we're all going to share that on air so uh yeah this is a, a great if anybody hasn't tried uh brewing with a uh you know brewing a milkshake ipa it's it's blowing my mind just how juicy and fruity and wonderful this can, uh, this this style can be. So uh, Brian looks like he's grabbing something, but I am. I am grabbing something. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm waiting for our our uh, guest to come on so I can try my first beer. I'm just getting it prepped here. All so right. Currently, uh, my glass is empty. My uh, beautiful Libby tulip glass. Oh, I'm my favorite glass. Nice. When, when we get him in here, we'll jump into that one. All right. Uh, well, that said, then. Uh, you know, our, 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 the focus of this episode is, is to get to know one of our local heroes in the brewing community, uh, Trevor Klimek. Uh, he, uh, we're going to chat with him and learn about how he got into brewing and his experience transitioning from a home brewer into a pro brewer. Uh, Trevor, he started home brewing about 16 years ago. Uh, he went on to work at the Bell's General Store. Uh, he provided inspiration, advice, and encouragement to countless uh, home brewers before heading over to Pawpaw Brewing as a professional brewer in 2010. Uh, and then he would go on from there to team up with uh, a Chris O'Neill, who he had he had encouraged to take up the hobby a few years before and move into uh, One Well Brewing as as the head brewer and production manager. So that said, Trevor, thanks for joining us tonight. This is so uh, I'm so pumped to have you on here. Let me bring you into the main channel. Uh, so Trevor, you got me into brewing years ago. You are the reason. So right on. You're, you're like my local hero. So I'm so so glad to have you on tonight. I'm so happy to be here uh, and so happy to be a part of the Michigan craft beer industry for the last 16 years. Um, you know, uh, later on, we'll talk about my story, but beer randomly chose me in life. So uh, I'm happy to be surrounded by so many lovely people that I've got to know and uh, hard workers, people that really appreciate, uh, you know, patience that we all learn. Uh, we're all learning some patience right now in life. And I think being a brewer, uh, you know, can really help us learn, learn the patience that we need to deal with, uh, with everything we got going on in life. Right on. So everybody, uh, you know, I think they're all kind of waiting to jump into, uh, to your, your beer selection for tonight. So we've got a can here. This is Moral Dilemma. Yes, sir. Uh, and you got to have some crazy cool 3D glasses <laughs> to see it. Oh man, I got to put mine on. I don't so, think I've so, ever, I don't, yeah. 
Just the yeah, don't look selected. at your computer screen doing that. That gives me a headache. <laughs> Trevor, you selected this beer for us to drink tonight, man. Tell us a little bit about it. I sure did, man. Uh, this is a mosaic-focused hot double IPA. Uh, fantastic and really pops with the citrus notes. Mosaic is one of my favorite hops. Um, toward the end of my uh, uh, home brewing and right before my professional career, the Mosaic Hop came out and it inspired me to just do some new things. And uh, I'm really happy to have this along with the uh, the second beer that I have, which is our uh, One Wells Moral Support. Um, I'll be drinking that a little bit later, but kind of got a, a brother brother team of a session IPA and a double IPA. So if you if everyone is ready, if you've got beers in, in your hands, um, go ahead and give me a give me a good cheers. Happy to be with all of you, and uh, let's talk some beer. Yeah, no, thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Kick off. I'm it dragging on until Jordan's ready. Come on, Jordan. Kick I'm off. Getting there, uh, I'm getting there. There you go. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, cheers. cheers. And you guys at home, man. All right, Trevor, man, that is. That is tasty. That is delicious. That's delicious. Super clean. With it, super happy with it. Freshly canned, available at the pub, and uh, just awesome. Mosaic is one of those hops for me. Like I can, I can pick out like, and and you brewed with Sabro now too, right? You've brewed the uh, what's what's that uh that milkshake IPA that you did? Unclear future. Unclear future. Yeah, yeah. Mosaic and Sabro, I can pick out. Milkshake IPA. You should check for it here in uh, about a month. Okay, perfect. Yeah, my girlfriend loves that beer. In the tank right now. It's in the tank. FV5 on that note. Fermenter <laughs> Vat 5. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, you guys care about it. I do. I do. Fermenter Vat 5. So, uh, so we'll get into it, man. So so before you started homebrewing, because I know this, and, and, and some of these guys didn't know this, before you yeah. started homebrewing, what was what was your career path? Because it, it was yeah. not a brewer, right? Not at all, man. Not at all. Uh, I'm originally from Big Rapids, Michigan, where my, my folks still live. And I was big into the arts. Uh, you know, I play, was big into sports and big into the arts in high school. And so after high school, I moved to uh, Los Angeles, California and joined a performance organization. So I lived in L.A. for two years in San Diego for two years, uh, a part of the Young Americans. And the main mission with the Young Americans is to inspire younger kids performing workshops every few days uh, in schools and staying the, uh, the night being, you know, uh, staying with homestays, getting to know people really well uh, and just inspiring people about song and dance. So I, I had the opportunity to travel around the world, Germany, England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, Luxembourg, about half the United States uh, and get to know people. And that's what I what I really love. And um, I, I went to school at Western for uh, vocal music education and dance education. That's kind of what brought me here to Southwest Michigan, to Kalamazoo. I was going to be a choir choir teacher and dance instructor and uh, love it so much. Randomly, I uh, started drinking some beers in college with uh, with one of my best buddies. Cole who would have thunk? Yeah, who yeah, does that? Yeah. I had no money. I had no money. <laughs> it was always like, hey, man, let's go to uh, – you know, the, the store right up the road here and uh, we'll go to Tiffany's and we'll get some special uh, German brews. And I, man, I don't have any money. He said, Trev, just drink them on me. You know, you got to taste this. This is awesome. So uh, I, I got to experience a lot of quality craft beer, uh, you know, with Colt, uh, as well as overseas in the Young Americans. Uh, randomly, you know, after about two or three semesters, he looked at me and said, hey, Trev, man, we're, <laughs> I'm out of money. 
my 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 uncle homebrews. Maybe we should think about starting a homebrew. You know, maybe we can make our own beer and still party like we had been, you know, freshman and sophomore year, or whatever. So uh, we started homebrewing together. And uh, it, it just took off. And I had a whole basement full of 20, 30 car boys. And um, it, it was a, a cool story. Um, I'm originally from Big Rapids, like I said, yep. and Clint was from Holland, uh, Holland, Michigan. And so he went to Siciliano's up in Grand Rapids. Yeah. Lovely store, awesome homebrew shop. And so I said, for sure, man, I'm going to go up to, uh, you know, lived in Kalamazoo for about a year. Wasn't big into craft beer, didn't really know about it. Wasn't really a beer drinker so much at that time. Um, and I said, hey, man, I'm going to go up and get a homebrew kit from Siciliano's in Grand Rapids. So I go up and get my kit you know, meet them. Yeah, I keep going up every you know few weeks. I'm going up to 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 Siciliano's and the uh, owner's son helps me out. Say, what's your name, Trevor? Okay, cool. You want to make a beer that's kind of like Oberon? Uh, we're going to call it Trevoron. That was my <laughs> beer that, that he helped me. Helped me. I think it was Chris Siciliano, if I can remember correctly. But uh, you know, used to give me. Used, I was up there so much. They'd give me free stuff. Um, some uh, like a huge tub of dark DME dry malt extract got uh, through the humidity, got into a big brick. And so they just gave it to me. You know what I'm saying? If you get your body, you can have it. And so I spent, you know, um, after about a few, you know, a month or two, he, he said, Trevor, you know, man, I really appreciate your business. You're a cool dude. You always bring in good vibes and all that. But why do you drive up here to, to Grand Rapids to get your homebrew supplies? And I said, where should I go? And he said, well, go to Bell's. It's about a mile away from you live and where you live. And I said, Bell's, what's that? <laughs> yeah. He said, you know Oberon? And I said, yeah, I know that beer. Yeah, I like that's yeah. a good beer. He said, that's made in Kalamazoo, man. It's made like a mile from your house. They have a homebrew shop. You should, you know, I mean, it probably won't see you much anymore, but you know, <laughs> from Bell's. So, man, of course, the next week I was a, uh-oh. I lived a mile away from a homebrew shop. I was there two, three times a day, four, seven days a week. You know, um, I was there so often that the the general manager at that time, Jason Rikers, said, you know, Trevor, you're here more than some of my employees. You're you're teaching my employees how to homebrew. <laughs> and at that point in time, I was working at TGI Fridays, uh, you know, doing the, hey, you want some dinner, you know, just doing a great things for people. But uh, at that point in time, I grew up with uh, no alcohol really in my house. My dad wasn't into drinking or partying. Uh, and so it was kind of like taboo for me. I was like, what am like a homebrew shop? Totally want the job. Oh, shit. What am I going to tell my parents? Nice. You know, yeah, like yeah. I'm telling my parents I'm working <laughs> at a strip club. Uh, like totally weird. Uh, so after we got through that hump and they, my parents started to understand, you know, that this was something deep and uh, cultural for me. I was reading, uh, read, I started to read a lot more than I ever had before. It changed my life and I have a huge plethora library. I strongly suggest that to anybody uh, if you have any time in life. Uh, to read. And at that point in time, I did. Now I have a two-year-old, so I'm reading less. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it was a great story from uh, having my whole life kind of be into, or my whole beginning part of my adult life being in song and dance and having it swiftly just kind of be brought into beer. I uh, wanted to help other people and find themselves partially, uh, just like the song and dance. It's a tool it's a, you know, it's the, it's the vehicle to help people understand themselves more. Uh, and I know that 
We'll talk later maybe about the, the negative things about alcohol, but beer can really be a camaraderie, a really positive thing uh, if you treat it and handle it in the right way. You know, you, you talk about, you know, uh, being in, in the in the in the troop in California and, and and your goal there to being to educate and to inspire people and stuff like that. And then you come yeah. into the brewing community and that's. You know, aside from my case, I hear that all the time. You know, Trevor inspired me to do this. You know, you, you inspired Chris O'Neill. You, you took me to the store and walked around that first beer that I ever brewed. And you're, I'm like, Trevor, I want, I want an IPA. And you're like, let's do this. And, and what flavor aspects do you want? And you, you know, what color do you want it to be? And what, what do you want to be prominent? And we walked around the store and you just threw shit in my hands. And, and I went home and brewed it. And I love it. I still brew that beer today. That's fantastic. Uh, but it was it was all just because you know you just you just walked to the store and, and kind of shoved shit at me and didn't and didn't that really influence the way that you brewed beer for for years even now right still it totally does you know that that in the books you know I think he also recommended uh, extreme brewing and, and some other books to me if I remember right and and uh, and yeah you know Trevor's passion and and and, and uh, the, the the way that you you go into recipe uh, creation and mm -hmm. and and expression that is what drives me today and what I tell everybody else, you know, to taste the grains, to smell the hops, to, 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 you know, really get into the beer and figure out how you want it to build it to get to that picture. And until you start playing around with all that stuff and learning what the different colors of malts do and the different, uh, you know, varieties of hops can, can impart in the beer and the different yeast strains, I said, you're, you're not, you're not really into the art of it, right? Into the heart. Uh, so no, you, you did that for me. And it's, so it's funny that that's what you started to do for art and you turned that into beer, which is also art. Yeah, I'm um, blessed to have parents that really wanted uh, their three children, me being the, the youngest, just to be themselves and to uh, allow uh, money and stuff to kind of figure it out. So I always was uh, kind of going to go into whatever I was passionate about. Um, and so even though being a choir teacher wouldn't bring home a ton of bacon, I, I had the opportunity to do the right thing. And so I'm really blessed that I, I've uh, respectfully never been in a situation work-wise where I'm actually doing something that I really don't like to do. Um, and, and that's kind of something I would just say to the younger folks that are just getting into brewing, um, you know, that's something you want to think about if you're ever interested in going pro and, and uh understanding where you want to go and, and being happy and humble with, with what you have. Right on. So I don't want to jump ahead too far because there's more to get to here. So, so you started, you know, just brewing for, for, for cheap beer. I get that. A lot of people do. And, and uh, beer, man. right, beer. right. 50 cents a beer. That first beer though is never 50 cents a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I made so much homebrew that I was down to like 12 cents a beer. Um, that, that that first batch, I remember telling my wife, I'm like, yeah, this one, ten dollars a bottle. Yeah, <laughs> but okay. it's gonna get down. I got to get quantity, right? You got to get quantity to start bringing that that yes. that overhead down. But uh, so so when you when you started when you transitioned from from being just this this homebrew kid, you know, hanging out in homebrew stores to actually working in Bell's, like yeah. what what did that do to your 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 homebrewing? Like, did you still Definitely. stay up with it? Did it improve oh, it? Change it? It, I mean, it blew it up. Like I said, I guess number one, I started to read a lot more, which is great. Uh, I'm a hands-on person at work. And so I really like to physically bust my butt. And so I feel like I got um, a little bit of leniency when I was able to go in and bust my butt for four or five hours and then uh, actually sit back and read a, mag read a homebrew magazine that were coming in every month. They have three or four different varieties 
um, you know, brew your own synergy, blah, 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 blah. And uh, the manager allowed that because he knew that my passion was, uh, I was only going to be able to pass that knowledge on to more people. And uh, I'm, I'm blessed to have that opportunity. So then, I mean, so reading was a huge thing. And then just having the plethora of uh, <laughs> like ingredients that kind of have to be thrown away or whatever, like, like, sure. You know, I took a bunch of old stale hops from Bell's when, um, you know, just because I could. And so I had a whole bunch of options to do stuff. It didn't matter at that point. You know, I was making dark beers and English beers with them, but it was a thing where I got to learn a lot in a very short amount of time. Anytime a bag would split open, it's like that would kind of be like, hey, man, we we're supposed to throw that out. Trevor, throw it out in your car. Okay. Good perk. There was yeah, there were huge perks right there. Um, and then I think that there there was some knowledge uh, coming down from the people that were working at Bell's at the brewery, you know, doing samples, doing lab tests and stuff like that, where I didn't um maybe appreciate it so much at the time because I was just this young kid that was making like phenol bomb hefeweizens. Um, but I thought that was cool and I liked banana and, um, and so I, I wanted to, wanted that flavor. And so I was fermenting it warm specifically and, um, people would come in and say, Hey man, we tried, we sampled this out in a, in you think, you know, you might want to tame down your fermentation temperature because that was huge. You know what I'm saying? So then I actually learned like, okay, that, that threshold is a lot more than what is in what, what people, right. you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, Phenols and esters and all that stuff. I was just trying to put it in a room at 68 degrees and not thinking originally as a home brewer that, well, the fermentation temperature is going to go up six, four to six degrees, depending on, you know, all lots of different things. Uh, so learning a little bit, learning quickly, uh, right getting, homebrew, getting a job at a homebrew shop. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm refilling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You want to do it? Yeah, so, do it. I don't know. Cheers. Ah, cheers. All right. I top off. When I first got to the Bell's General Store, uh, they had about six varieties of hops and about six varieties of yeast. Um, and I was super integral in trying to grow the Bell's General Store from the old small uh, small location in the back to where the general store is now and what everyone knows of what the general store is. Um, trying to get all grain supplies in there, getting all the, the kegging equipment, you know, all the draft equipment, you know, a uh, whole bunch of stuff. And so I was really ha happy to be able to sell a lot of stuff there and then be able to get more stuff. And, and I, I had a tremendous amount of leniency from the manager jason rikers to say trevor whatever you want to buy and you think it's going to sell if you can sell it just order it and do it right. and so i i banged it out with a ton of you know it went from six varieties and nottingham yeast and shit like that to like all the liquid white lab stuff and i would go make go through it and make sure that it was fresh for people and fresh enough and you know get you know um there was a little bit of extra work to it but i was super into it and you know still am but I, you know it was it was just a passion when you're, when you're into something, just go for it. Just keep doing it. You know, uh, when you first started, did you start off brewing extract? Is that like what was available at the time? You, you mentioned I, grains and stuff like that. I sure did. Uh, the Bell's general store didn't have uh, almost any all grain supplies. They had, you know, they didn't have like a base malt 10 bag. They didn't have a 10, 11 pound bag of base malt. 
Sure. Um, they might have had like a 50 pound bag, like two 50 pound bags of base malt. That was always for the farmers that were coming in and they just needed something <laughs> to make their corn shine. You know what I'm trying to say? Uh, yeah. There were home brewers that were like really into it, but uh, they had, you know, we, we had, we, when I was at Bell's, had, you know, specialty grains, one pound bags, mm-hmm. but it wasn't all, any all grain. We didn't get the all, we didn't start with all grain until we moved to the front location where, where the general store is now. Right on. <clears throat> so so when you started I, uh, on that note, sorry about that. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, no, you're fine. I positively started as an extract brewer um, with the Brewer's Best boxed kits. I had a stay, I had the, you know, the deluxe uh, equipment kit and um, a few of the, a few of the, whatever, I actually don't remember what the first two beers were, but a red, red dog, Amber, I called and, and something else, but uh, <laughs> bringing it back, bringing it back. But uh, so yeah, did extract for a while. Uh, Sam Reese, who is the head brewer production manager up at uh, left hand, or left hand brewing or not left hand, upper hand brewing. Uh, got, we got a job at Bell's the same day and he was, he'd inspired me a lot. Uh he was already all grain brewing. He was definitely a step ahead of me for sure. In the brewing world, I was still partying at night with my buddies, um, like starting brewing at six o'clock, drinking bunches of beers, grilling and, you know, making food at the same time, boiling over, drop, missing hot drops, scorching the bottom, getting <laughs> fucking wasted at the end for getting a pitch east till the morning. Um, and so he was integral in helping me say, he was just like, Trevor, I went, Oh really? I wake up at nine and get my, get it going, man. And so that was something I think that just is something I wanted to say earlier. I was like, Hey, I should say this, that like, even if it's a little bit during the day and then you start drinking beers with your buddies at halfway through, you know, a lot better than yeah i've read uh, a lot of people say uh wait wait until you get the boil going at least and then yeah. you know I, mean, yep. yeah, I just do it in the morning like when i got super what i feel super good or when i was super super happy with my homebrew it's when i transitioned to like waking up at seven o'clock in the morning and like you know getting the water going and then going in and having breakfast and by the time i come out the water's hot like i had my whole day set the mash go cut the lawn come back you know what i'm saying nice. it, yeah uh, it was a great situation. And I, and I really feel like my, um, I could do cellar work later at night, transferring beers, bottling something like that. Um, when I'm drinking and partying, had some buddies over to bottle later at night. That's great. But when I was really trying to nail something, uh, I'm happy that I decided, thank you, Sam Reese to, uh, to kind of start brewing a little bit earlier and focus out, have that be the thing I was doing for the day. You know, that's, that's a, that's a great point. Cause like as a, as a home brewer, there's been many times where, you know, whether it be during the week or just a quiet weekend where I, I nail a brew, you know, and it goes so efficiently. And it's like, yeah. I finished on time. I hit all my numbers. I got all the additions. Everything was great. Okay. I have Brian come over to brew. Dude, I miss <laughs> fucking hops. I fucking, overboil. I, you know, we, we mash in for, you know, too damn long or whatever. And, or the equipment fucks up. Like everything goes wrong when I'm sitting there drinking with my buddies and brewing, even though yeah. as a home brewer, that's one of the best things about it, right? Was getting yeah, together. Yeah. And I'm not saying that yeah. we can't do all. You know what I'm saying? But uh, just having that mindset. Maybe it's a maybe it's a hey man, you want to come over from ten to two instead yep. of six yeah, yeah. six to two. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. So that said, sticking on the home brewer before we transition into pro, were were there any what were there any go to recipes of beers oh. like like. 
that you were most proud of or, or the, the, the favorites from a home brewer that maybe you brought forward with you to the, to the pro brewer? Positively. Um, I think that the process is definitely the thing that I, that I brought the most, you know, um, we talk about it as brewers that like, really, we all can have the same ingredients and all make different beers because we all have different processes. And I really am a big proponent of doing the same thing every single time. And, and, uh, that's actually, let me, let me, let me jump in here. Cause we just yeah. had a, a person ask almost a similar question. So John Sutton said, what's the most important thing, technique, process, ingredient, et cetera, that moved you from an established home tour, home brewer to a pro brewer kind of, kind of tails into that. Sure. Um, yeah, man. I love, thanks John. Uh, I know that name. <laughs> no, John, I know that name. Everybody knows John, man. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, I don't think oh, I did read this question earlier. I kind of knew some of these questions prior. I don't think that uh, I just kept doing the same thing every single time and and, and learning. So as a home brewer, I continue to do, you know, continue to brew over and over and moving to being a professional brewer. It was the same thing. You just got to do it over and over and over and over to really feel comfortable um, with your techniques. You know what I'm saying? And with the process, as soon as you get the process down. So I would say process is number one. Okay. Um, I would say process is number one. And then, you know, after you get your process down, then you can change like ingredients in my opinion is definitely the last thing you have to make sure you have a solid process. That's your base of your structure that everything's going to be sitting on. Um, technique and process are kind of the same thing. I would say, may, I would think technique would be a little bit more finesse in how you're um, uh, like making everything happen in actual time uh, and really thinking about your process. One of my favorite homebrew books was How to Brew. Uh, excuse me, not How to Brew, uh, but Brewing Better Beer by Gordon Strong. Sorry, yep. Brewing Better Beer. He just explains, like, don't spend your time sanitizing your hot, your hot, the spoon that you're using or your kettle. Spend your time in smart places, making sure your yeast is happy and healthy, making sure that your fermentation is clean, making sure that your pH is right if you're having those kind of issues. You know what I mean? Uh, knowing exactly what's going to help you the best is, is going to help you in the long run. So I think that a lot of that education for me was able to come through those books. Uh, and, and I'm really happy, like with the technique, a lot of that technique that I have is just stuff that I learned in a book. Right. You know what um, I mean? And then oh, I was yeah. doing it every day that I, it became my, my natural process because I read it and I was like, oh yeah, I got to do it this way. Right on. Is that you know, easy? yeah, that does. And you know, a lot of times I, I see interviews like this, and everybody, everybody seems the go-to answer seems to be, uh, you know, sanitation, you know, cleanliness. But I think that's really needs to be a given base. You know, like if you're going to yeah. brew, you need to be clean. You're cooking yeah. food, uh, you know, yeah. and you need to protect your stuff. So it's it's interesting to get into that. You know, to the repetitiveness, uh, yeah. you know, getting your your process in place. Um, you know, for for some of us that that brew for like competitions and things, being able to replicate and do it over and over and over again is is such an important part, and I think drives us to make better, cleaner, uh, more enjoyable beer. So, ah, man, that's cool. Um, 
So, so tell us about going pro. How did that transition happen? Nice dropping down to moral support. <laughs> so, so, so you're working in the store. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Pawpaw comes to you and says, "Dude, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, there is a little interlude in this story." Uh, at the time, so I was really happy at Bell's, um, and I was interested in, but I was interested in growing with a smaller business, being an integral part of the business. When I um, started working at Bell's, there were 40 employees, and when I left Bell's about 2010, there were 60 employees, so still very small. About a year later, there were about 150 or 200 employees, you know what I mean? So they, that, that's really when they shot up, um, and I had opportunities to go to the Bell's plant and brew 200 barrel batches of Oberon, which is cool. Um, but I really wanted to have that the feel of, of the, the hard work and the, the putting it, putting your time in and energy and all that stuff. So I uh, had opened my heart, I guess you could say, up to other opportunities. Um, and I had a few different opportunities um, then, one being Pawpaw Brewing Company uh, and one being something called Sunset Boulevard that never really came about in funny in the same spot that One Well is now. But I left Bell's originally to be the head brewer at Sunset Boulevard, and I wasn't paid for like four and a half months, and it was a really super, super rough time in my life. I had, you know, just finished college. I had realized that I meant to be in the beer world. I had the security of Bell's and the co community of people. I stepped out. I, you know, got hurt tremendously, and it was a scary, scary time in my life um, for a lot of different reasons. But after that was uh, it had settled out, the owners of Pawpaw Brewing Company uh, needed needed help in production to to brew more beer uh, and help with just everything, just growing a business. And so I was really super super lucky uh, to to kind of be in the right place at the right time, where the, I was uh, helping out uh, at a bar right down the road from where Pawpaw Brewing Company originally started, and it was kind of just like, hey, you know the kid that wanted a job a little bit ago, I think, you know, let's talk to him. So I was really uh, blessed to, to have that opportunity and still am tremendously thankful uh, times a billion to Ben Fleckenstein and Ryan Sylvester for hiring me, you know, years ago and helped me get out of a situation and help me stay in the industry. I don't know, you know, I'm not sure what would have really happened uh, in my life, but my now wife, but, you know, we dated for eight years prior before getting married and, it's a thing where I was only going to be in the beer industry. You know, I was only going to be a brewer. There wasn't any other options. I was going to be a brewer. And, and it was like, yeah, like you either start your own place, which I wasn't going to do because I want to just be the best worker for someone and uh, have a family as well. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, it just happened that I was in the right place at the right time. I fell into a family at Pawpaw Brewing Company that uh, I can't ever – you know, I'll never forget and I'll always be a part of. And um, it's it's also allowed me to continue to expand and grow. And uh, that's just what, what life is about. Right on. With a, you, you brought up Sunset Boulevard. I know it's like a sore spot, but I, I have a question that you might have an answer for that I've always wondered. Uh, the sign, once they went out of business, it moved to this little shop that was over on the corner of Sprinkle and East Main. And it sat above there on this pole for like years. Yeah. Do you know what that was all about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> An honest answer. You know. <laughs> uh, that, that said, hey, I'm going to jump in real quick. So I just saw this comment from Kaylee Losey. Uh, 
Cool. Want to give a big shout out to Presidential Brewing, all you guys out there. You know, you need a beer. They're still doing the the takeout and the the deliveries. Check their Facebook out. Thanks, Kaylee, for for tuning in. Hi, Kaylee. Very cool. <laughs> How many people are watching this thing? Uh, we've been, we've been yeah, about thirty. Around thirty, yeah. No way! Hey, <laughs> hi. <yeah. laughs> yeah. My first time ever doing this. So, right. uh, so Trevor, I got mine too. Talking about uh, uh, gear a little little while ago, uh, do you have anything uh, like any piece of gear that may may not have been like obvious or in in the standard arsenal of a home brewer, something that you relied on or something that you enjoyed that helped uh, you feel helped improve your your home brewing? I'm totally joking here. <laughs> I'd never had one of these, but a beer bong would be smart. <laughs> you gotta get rid of this man pound it down <laughs> no i never did that um yeah no the best thing though in college was uh was all the friends that i had and i and i still have a lot of friends and i love them all but man you know uh i was brewing a fucking shit ton of beer and <laughs> i had neighbors i would bring over you know plates of you know uh, six schooners to the cross the street with the kids that live there and they and whatever they bring the glasses back put them up i'd clean them i mean i was like a fucking bar it was just awesome <laughs> so that was the best thing because i had someone that was able to drink all the beer um i, I hear that a lot as a home brewer um that, that you know we we brew so much beer we want to brew another beer but then we just end up with too much beer and and one of the guys uh david curtis uh, who's a, works at Bell's in the general store and manager now and just a great dude. When I first had met him, he was saying, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm making three three gallon batches. He was the best brewer that I knew. You know what I mean? And so he was fermenting out like two and a half, ga- you know, whatever. He'd get a case, whatever. He had the tightest system ever. Um, but he brewed all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a challenge for me. You know, when I started, uh, I, I had this group, this bowling group, you know, the 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 gang or whatever, the beer snobs is what we used to call them. And John, John Sutton was in that group, you know, and, and I, I'd brew all this beer and I'd, I'd go to bowling and I'd take cases of beer for everybody and be like, here, you know, I don't care if they liked it or not, but I was like, you know, here's some IPA, here's some stout. This is all the shit that I brewed and I was cycling through it. And then we, uh, we quit bowling, uh, just life happened and, and, you know, couldn't, couldn't keep it up anymore. And all of a sudden this shit starts piling up in my basement and I go downstairs and I've got, you know, 30 cases of homebrew. It's like, man, I need to go visit my friends more. So <laughs> I, I agree. Friends are a valuable tool to a homebrewer, man. Somebody to help you drink all that beer. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, so like, but to be real, I'm sure, or I, I'm not sure. I don't know who's watching this, but I, I would say that like, so um, the first thing that was the best was a work chiller. That was number yep. one. Yep. You don't have a work chiller, like just an immersion work chiller, which always were. I never got anything more than that. Didn't I never use pumps. I always use gravity stuff. I mean, you know, I'd right. um, work chiller into all grain brewing. You know what I mean? Yep. Into like yeast starters, like a yeast stir plate. Yeast starter stir plate will like blow your mind into like recapturing yeast and like using like even if you just i i used to get a lot of good and I like that i was like clean fermentation with a simple beer it's racked off easy still you know st- boom dump another beer right on top i was always brewing another batch right into it sometimes i do two fermentations in the same right. bucket but man i got okay. that yeast was happy and healthy and would blow up and clean out ferment quick and you know we all know 
If we don't know uh, a fast fermentation, a quick fermentation is the best fermentation, you, you know, more or less for most beers. So sure. you want to just get through it, get through that yeast. And it, if it can sit longer and it's not doing its thing, it's it, it, it's not eh, not going to be like we how we want it. So, so you talked about blowing your mind there with the, the homebrew side. So what what big revelations when you became a pro brewer? What, what were the, the big things that blew your mind as a, from a home brewer? Like, man, I got to change this. This is, this is crazy. I want to say something, but really nothing. Nothing? It, nothing. It was so easy transition from uh, being on a smaller system to a larger system. I did grow very, very small. So I brewed five-gallon batches at home. Then I brewed... 10 to 15 to 27 and a half gallon batches at home. Then at Pawpaw, we started with 12 and a half gallon batches with one barrel fermenters. So at work, I was fermenting 31 gallons. At home, I was fermenting 25 gallons. So it wasn't that much different. And then moving, I moved up to a six barrel system. Um, Like I know people want to think that it's really different, you know, um, but it's not, it's not different. It, <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's the same thing, just more, just more of it. You know what I mean? And so yeah. having that base knowledge uh, on being a home brewer really helped me continue to expand and be able to do more things, uh, all at the same time to make sure we're progressing whatever business it is. You know, having the opportunity, I think all three of us have to brew with you on, on a three barrel, on a seven barrel, and then recently on a 15 barrel system, right? Yes, sir. Uh, It is, it is kind of cool to see. It it really is all the same steps. I mean, you're doing the same steps that we're doing. The automation is a little bit different. Uh, You know, and, and, and some of the, I I think one of the things I always noticed was, you know, I'm, I'm always so worried about the volumes of my malt or, or my water or my hops, but on a larger scale, you know, the volumes like, like watching you mash in is just eyeballing a, a mash to see that it's, you know, wet enough or it's too dry or whatever. That kind of surprised me. Like I it's thought it would like continue to be a science, like you know, <laughs> but I, I get it on a, on a larger scale. You have a lot more wiggle room as far as, you know, your end results. And then there's just the time of doing it. Yeah. And uh, most of the times when we're brewing together on those systems, it is the first time we're brewing that batch. Yeah, so that's you're really right. most important to say, okay, usually a batch with this amount of malt and this kind of malt, whether it be flaked oats, flake product that's going to absorb more liquid or whatnot, is about going to be about this much uh, liquid. So we there was a flow meter on there, but doing it the first time, you definitely have to eyeball it and be right there so you can know that, hey, this is exactly what we want it to be like. Yeah, no, it's and it's cool to be able to stand next to you and see that, like, because I'm still so numbers driven. And yeah. to have you just kind of, you know, know the feel of your equipment and and see when it's, you know, it's right. It's awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. There's all different types of brewers out there. I feel it's important to um to have us all kind of, you know, learn about different things that we might not be. You know, I'm a little, I started way more as a artistic brewer, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and moved into more of a scientific structured I'm a very structured person now because of brewing makes me a structured planner. Yeah. I, you know, I don't realize how much of a planner I am in life until I realize like, that's what I do at work that I, if I'm not plant, like I, everything has to be in, in a row um, because that's how brewing is. You know what I mean? And, that, it, and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel secure. It keeps me grounded when I make, like a, think ahead. Way, on like that. your, your drinking beard now too. 
like uh like are you more analytical like when you're drinking beer like oh like this has you know this sort of flavor and that sort of flavor back you know compared to when you first started getting into brewing and drinking craft beer and making your own and stuff i mean not like the ha 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 it ruined it (laughs) (laughs) it ruined it ruined it (laughs) every beer needs mosaic now Uh, um you know we're really lucky to be in the craft beer scene and to uh, the majority of time uh, have the opportunity if we search for it to find fresh beer. What's up, Jake? Um, you know, to, to find fresh beer from a local brewery. So we're super lucky. Uh, people that don't know about beers that aren't right or stale old oxidized beers, like eh, good for them because they don't know. You know? <laughs> we, we had a, we had a question come up that sort of relates to that. Um, yeah, I think it works. And uh, so Travis asked a little bit earlier, um, more on the opposite end. Have you, do you have any thoughts or considerations about breweries that tend to uh, like put unfermentables in their beers and push them on the market and just say, keep that cold. It might blow up. Like I don't like that at all. I feel like that uh, personally, I feel like that's, it's, you know, it's, it's not responsible as a brewer in my opinion. Um, and there's no possible way that it's going to stay in a cold area. I've seen been in the industry for 16 years. I don't care what distributor shakes your hand and what they do for you. And they're telling you that it's going to be always stored cold. It's not. Um, I don't feel it's safe. I feel like there's totally ways to protect our beers, to ferment them out and have awesome products on the shelf that'll stay stable for a super long time. Um, and I'm happy to uh, be a part of a business that has strong morals with that. So um, we feel strongly about our beers. We do use a lot of weird products and a lot of weird stuff, but I will not send out something that's unsafe. Right on. I, right on. I in the food industry, what I make is going into everyone's body. And I'm super, super real about um, keeping it tight and clean and, and safe for everyone. Good deal. Does that answer your question? I think it did. Um, so, so. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. So thanks this, this may be kind of silly, man. No, thanks for being here. But um, how is being a professional brewer, and I, I probably know the answer, but now you're a professional brewer, how has that changed brewing and home brewing for you? Just, just yeah, tell me the truth. I, I, no, for sure. I really thought as a home brewer that I would positively be the person that would always homebrew. Um, and I have built my life uh, to brew and I have enough. I finally have enough people to drink the beer that I make. <laughs> no, I mean, um, everyone's life is different. Uh, my wife and I got started on our family a little bit later. Uh, so I feel like I had, a good amount of time in college later in college to learn my craft, uh, to really push hard in in the industry that I wanted to be in super bad. Uh, and I'm happy that uh, I'm to the point now where I'm able to, uh, I've learned a lot more than just brewing, you know, I'll be honest, man, like brewing is it's what I love the most, but like warehousing and like management of people. And I don't mean management. I mean, leadership. 
I mean, managing is telling someone what to do. Leadership is ex- promote, you know, bringing them good energy so that they can see what has to happen and just get it done. And that's the hard thing, in my opinion. But it's also the mo- most gratifying things that happen uh, in the brew house. When you see everything line up together and we nail all the the dates and times that we, you know, the logistics of everything that happens. Um, it's not easy, but it's super uh, exciting. And, and, you know, just like just like brewing a batch of beer is every single time I'm able to get in there and dough in. You know what I mean? Uh, so there's a lot more things to than just brewing to being in the industry and being a professional brewer. Nice. So I, I, I can I, I bring something back. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Russ. Thanks for giving me this opportunity. So you asked me the homebrew beers that were exciting for me. Yeah, the, the one number one was I always called it my boner beer, but it was it was a, <laughs> it, I, I created a cool ship at my wife's um my now my wife's grandparents' house in their barn in their red barn. Can you explain uh, what a cool ship is, maybe for people yeah, that don't know? Do that as a vessel, kind of like a big pool. So it held five gallons of liquid. It was a plastic. That was the 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 cool ship was actually like a plastic tub. Um, that you would use for a uh, underneath like a, uh, a washer dryer unit, big plastic thing. So you could cool off liquid quickly. So you, you brew your beer, you make your work and you allow the wild yeasts to come in and uh, land on top of the cool work in this location. So I, I did it in the red barn, siphoned it off into a barrel. And I, I grew with this beer. Oh, oh, grew it. oh. Um, I, I grew this beer called. My red barn sour, which yeah. was originally created in in the red barn, uh, to an awesome thing. And my favorite homebrew, it had wild yeast from the area. Um, I was super into Flanders Reds, and that's kind of the style that it's based off. And I was able to grow it from five gallon batches to uh, one fifty five gallon cask at Pawpaw, and then was able to collect that yeast and move it on to uh, one well, where I have about eight or ten. So if you like sour beer, just going to say, we've got some sour beer coming here within the next year, year and a half. Awesome. Uh, it's going to be awesome. A whole bunch of different varieties. Uh, we just packaged our raspberry Ruby Rouge, which uh, Ruby Rouge is, is the, the nice. standard base with this wild yeast uh, and microflora. It's an awesome beer, and I'm super happy to share it. It took, took 10 years for me to brew my first batch to actually get it in production in a bottle. So thanks to Chris O'Neill for believing in me and uh, oh, yeah. package, man. So I remember walking into to Papa Brewing one day and, and you, you, you went behind the bar and you pulled me a sample or something or you went in the back. I don't know. And you were like, you got to try this, try this sour. And it was Red Barn Sour. And it's still one of the more memorable yeah. memorable beers of, of, of back in that Papa day that I've tried. I was, I was gonna say, like, there was a while back at a at a big brew. Trevor, you you uh, when the keepers of craft, our our homebrew club, was doing a big brew over out at One Well. You took some of your homebrew stuff and you let you know you kind of donated it to a lot of people, and I, I ended up taking a keg and yes, I never I never knew what it was, but it had a, a, a duct tape on the side that said Red Barn on it. So it's really cool to hear oh, that, yeah, that story. Yeah, I got I got the spruce tip sour. You're there. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I poured off some of that to drink before we uh we don't. It was still good. I should have bottled some off. I feel bad not doing it now. Still totally drinkable. Yeah, well, that was a great beer. I mean, so I, I, never I, had anything I, like it. Yes, 
<laughs> so I, I didn't take kegs for me, Trevor. I took carboys. Remember, I came over and picked up a bunch of carboys. Yeah. And, and yeah. I've given them out to the homebrew community. I think I've given them out to like four or five different people. I well. still have stuff. I, I don't. I, I Here's the thing. On the question back to you still homebrewing. No. I will homebrew. Oh, well. And, okay. and now I'm uh, the last house that I was at uh, that we rented was not c- capable of doing that. I see myself doing that, um, but I just have a lot less equipment now. Nice. You know, I have, I have one awesome, super, super clean corny that I would make it. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. At the same time, I don't drink like I used to. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I in college, I really like we could kill them. And, and I'll have a, a beer or two a night, you know what I mean? Maybe not every night, just because that's how it goes. And uh, and there are there are other nights where I can get down. But, I mean, ultimately, it is a poison, right? I mean, it's it's good. It's wonderful. It it, it has great flavor and things. And, and there's lots of enjoyment we can bring from it. But you got to be careful, right? Everything in moderation. Yep. You're welcome, Drew. Glad you got a keg. Yeah. Oh, carboy distribution, Ron. Hey. Yeah, I, I got Ron a carboy, one of your carboys. <laughs> yeah. So Hell I have an important question. Uh, I can't put it up on screen. It came in via text uh, sure. from a good friend of mine, uh, Ed Nash from ArcLight Brewing. Wants to know oh, what hey. is Ed? Yeah, what is your favorite Southwest Michigan brewery? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> He's gonna do this too. Um, <laughs> moving on <laughs> one well there you go ed there's your answer there's your answer uh so you know i don't know if this i'm i'm jumping back well, to hey, question, man, I will, i'll be totally honest yeah ed makes some unbelievable beer and i'm always happy never been disappointed and i love you i'll see you soon ed <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 great. I mean, uh, soon, soon when we can go get a beer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so we've kind of covered this a few different times, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Trevor, why do you love what you do? <sighs> He's a lot... you do, you do, you do. This is a funny question. I thought about this. You know, when you're like seventh grade. And you got to you take a test. It says like what you should do in work. And I thought about that a few days ago, and I'm like, you know what? I remember at the end of the test, it was like, you need to work with people, and you need to work alone. <laughs> um, so I'm being really honest. So I never thought about it like that, but I really am happy that I'm able to have some solace sometimes early in the morning brewing um being one you know what i'm saying with the beer and with the energy whether i have music on or not usually i start my day with jazz or classical but you know whether or i have nothing on and i just hear the hums of the motors and the the fans blowing and there's great energy right there and so uh so i really appreciate that and i also appreciate when we can get back to it the slammed bar chatting with everybody and all the people and being able to be connected and chatting with my team, my, my teammates and the crew and you know, all the, everybody that's into it. So I'm had the, my favorite thing about it is that I'm able to be myself. Um, you know, here at one, well, I can just be myself, which is able to get some, get some time just 
working my butt off, which makes me happy and sleep well, you know what I'm saying? Be at the end of the night, be happy with what I've done and also be able to communicate with uh, people that, that love the craft beer. Right on. Right on. I kind of wish that I would have asked that last, but I, I still have more <laughs> shit. I, I have more time. As so. long as you tell me that it's the last question. I'm no, no, man. Okay. You'll, you'll go back to, you'll make it as good as that one. I'll make it way better than that. <laughs> Amazing. What, uh, so what's your, what's your favorite beer? down there at one well that you're making right now so on the note of like have you moved in craft beer and all that stuff like where you know, what mm. changed you and all that like i've kind of been through a lot of spectrum um i know this isn't going to answer your question 100 no, no. apologize. i'll get back to you on that but i personally didn't start drinking light lager um, in, in life, I didn't drink any beer. And then I started drinking quality craft beer. Uh, and so I've kind of been through a lot of the double IPAs, you know, I'm starting, I mean, not, I really appreciate this or the lemma. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great beer. 3d, it's 3d man. 3d. Uh, but I rarely drink high gravity beers because I don't like getting tanked. Uh, so I tend to appreciate uh, quality drinking beers a little bit more. My go-to beer and uh, my favorite really is moral support. So I will say that's, it is still my favorite. Um, I mean, there. it depends on what mood you're in. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. We've been canning our opener lately, which is just our Blondale. And sometimes you just want a beer beer with not a lot of hops and not a dark chocolatey beer and not a sour and I'm really happy that we decided to do that as a business and it's going really well. People are drinking the hell out of it and we're going to be canning some more. And uh, it's just, it's, it's not light. Like I, I don't drink a lot of domestic beer. Um, I, I don't ever drink Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light. I just don't. Um, but it's quite, it's got some mouthfeel to it and it's got some, some flavor, but it's still super, super duper clean and it's not going to offend you. Don't, doesn't matter what you're, you know what I'm saying? I, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. So, and it's five, you know, five and a half. So what, what about like beer that you don't make? Like you ever cruising through the grocery store and like, yeah. not that you don't have unlimited access, but you're like, yeah, I'm going to grab this off the shelf. Yeah, I do, man. That's a great question. Thank you. I, I positively believe that it's my responsibility to buy beer at the store and not just drink one more beer. Sure. I think that's super, uh, you know, I just, I don't believe in that. So I do buy beer. Um, I only buy by date, ladies and gentlemen. Oh date. man! All right. <laughs> have on it, don't buy. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I only buy by date, so I find myself buying. I get, you know, I, I find myself buying a lot of Founders beer. Um, I'll drink Bell's beer because I understand the date. You know, they change their get date codes, so it says mm -hmm. it's packaged. I'm super stickler. So usually it's like a month out. I'm like, eh, you know, um, a month and a half. I'm, you know, maybe not buying it if it's a, you know, simple beer, but I have lately to answer your question. I've lately been finding like Mexican beers, oh, <laughs> yeah. um, but fresh, fresh ish me Mexican beers. So um, I really enjoyed some, uh, Dos Equis lager uh, a little bit ago and it was it was like a few months from being packaged so I was just like huh yeah I live in Matawan so Papa Matawan there's a little bit larger this was before the the coronavirus thing but um 
I was super happy with that. You know, are you uh, into Modelo at all? I think we have a listener that's super into that. Yeah, I, I'm. A, I used Special. to do it more. I'll, I'll get. I, I can tell it. What I like to see is <laughs> like I always watch the. If you watch the news, you can learn what you should do. So now that it's getting popular, people are drinking it more. So yeah. now you can wait a little bit, and then, then you can get some fresh Modelo. Yeah. Like years ago, Peroni, like say five years ago, like or, or like Stella, like stale, stale, stale. Then they started doing commercials four or five years ago, and, and now it's like okay, people are drinking Stella. So you get a Stella, and you're like, okay, that was packaged three months ago. Three yeah. months for a lager. Usually they put those dates on one year out from packaging. Uh, you know, overseas, so. They'll say that it's good this date. You go go one year prior to that, and you know what it was yeah. But so that's I, I will see. I will check out some Modelo. Thank you for the suggestion. I <laughs> I uh, I went on a quest not long ago to find it. Guinness is at home. Yeah, what's that at home? Guinness. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't get a nitro beer. All that was time. my that was my pre-show drink. There you go. <laughs> so always have uh, good. Uh, so. I, I, but on the Mexican, uh, the Mexican lager thing, I, I went on a quest a few months ago where it's like, you know, I love Corona. I love Modelo. I love, you know, they're, they're, they're so much better than I, I think the American macros. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went on this quest to find uh, craft Mexican lagers, you know, and I, 21st uh, Amendment does one. Huh? Um, I can't remember who the other one was, I, it, but it was hard to find. So, I mean, that's the thing, like craft lagers. I think we need more of them, more uh i'm 100 percent with you i think that that was kind of where things were going that for this summer uh reading some different you know beverage magazines and all of that and just know you know knowing where the craft beer scene's going i think we're we're going that way uh and i hope we continue to yeah right on all right i'm gonna jump into some questions so we got sure uh, let me see tracy She's a friend of mine she she likes ipas but she's a lightweight and she tends to get drunk easily Ah. (laughs) <laughs> what do, what do you suggest that has good taste and feel but is still light in the alcohol Dude, content? Tracy, I love that. I'm a lightweight. Um, or I I I mean I drink a lot of beer, so. <laughs> uh, I, that has a ton of flavor. Our moral support has a moral ton support. of flavor. And low ABV, four eight, very very easy, very drinkable. I think that uh, I think you would enjoy that thoroughly. Nice, nice. And then I actually, so I don't know if you remember, Trevor. A few years ago, I was in Pawpaw. This is a while back, and you you gave me some of the Pawpaw Dark Chocolate Imperial Stout, and okay. I loved it. And I bought a case of it. And my my good friend uh, uh, Trent Rinky, I gave him a couple bottles, and he says he still has a couple. It, what do you think? Do you think it held up? 2015 dark chocolate imperial stout i don't drink her we did it two years in a row and the first year did not hold up no but the second year i think definitely could have could have held up all right i think this was the second year i think it's good i think what's that is he drinking it right now yeah trent are you drinking it right now we're on like a 30 second delay so i'll i'll give you an answer in a second I can't see anybody else on my screen anymore. What happened? No, we're just changing around, playing with the cameras. Okay, that's fine. Just wanted to make sure I didn't screw anything up. No, nope, no. Nope, I, I got a 
quick question for you, Trevor. Just uh, just out of curiosity, we, we, we may have covered this, but I guess to just cover again, were there any specific challenges uh, in your uh, home brewing journey that you felt were challenging to overcome, and how'd you get over them? How'd you get over that hurdle? Okay, okay. Um, that's a good question. I think that getting into loggers for me was really hard. Uh, mainly for the reason that I started getting into loggers in the early spring. So I was trying to do stuff in a very, very hot time of the year, you know, throughout the middle of the summer, I was trying to do my best loggers and I didn't have uh, quality equipment. I was trying to do some stuff in the basement of my college house, um, which was cool cellar temperature. But I was also at the same time kind of growing my the spectrum on my batches and, you know, growing the, the, the volume. So fermenting five gallons is going to produce a little bit of heat. Fermenting 25 gallons produces a bunch of heat. Uh, and so I wasn't able to, you know, ferment at those temperatures. So I had some stinky sulfur egg smelling 25 gallon batches in my college basement. Um, just to be honest, you know what I'm saying? I told yep, my, yep. my wife, which was then girlfriend, that it was all good. You know, it was all good, but it was horrible. And, and I, <laughs> but, uh, and then, you know, same kind of things is spring, you know, and I, I bottled some, I was in a music class at Western uh, and I had an awesome instructor, Dr. Steele, just want to cheers out to Dr. Steele taught me a lot about the, you know, Baroque music and all the, the, the medieval music and stuff like that. And so I made this special beer. It was my J.S. Bach. Johann Sebastian Bach. Beer. I love, love, love J.S. Bach. Yeah. Which was a great beer. Which was a great beer. But uh, it was great beer in early spring. Uh, it's like a sure. Doppelbach, you know, well, it was like a Bach that was extra sweet. Should have been a Doppelbach. Yeah. But, you know, I did get to give some to, uh, to the to the, my professor and he got to drink it before it exploded because uh, a few months later, as I, as I had 20 or 30 cases in my basement of different beer to, you know, five gallon batch or 20 gallon batch. So between five and 15 cases, 20 cases of each, or excuse me, two to six cases of each. Um, all of a sudden sleeping in the middle of the night, you know, oh. <laughs> my girl, my girlfriend freaking out. Like, what is like sound like gunshots? I'm like, oh shit, you know. So next day, you know, she goes home. I'm like downstairs. It's like the middle of the summer, so August, fucking hot as hell. In like a raincoat gear, put <laughs> on gloves, goggles, <laughs> and like snow pants. And I'm like walking this case up. It's like poof going in my can i'd toss it in the garbage outside shut that shit for the next three days man you'd like poof, poof. <laughs> garbage uh the, the herbie kirby you know uh yep. but all the neighbors respected that they're like you know trevor had a homebrew batch that went bad whatever he gives me enough it's all good <laughs> that's what i was i was telling brian the other day you know i, I had a bar a batch of this root beer bracket that i was uh ooh. I was I was brewing. I've tried it a couple of times. I got the recipe from a club over on the east side, uh, Craft Brewing. They used to publish it. it, was, it when they brew it, it's amazing. I've never had good luck. But we were out doing yard work one day, and, and I reached into the fridge. So this beer was cold. Uh-huh. And I go pop the top, and that top shot seven, yeah. six, seven feet out in the driveway. And I'm like, oh, shit. 
you know? So I'm grabbing all these beers and I go, I go into my sink and I start popping them. And I actually have a video I, I should put it on Facebook of just this, these beers just geysering up yeah. and they were, they were cold. If those were warm, they would have all exploded. Just, oh yeah. No, no, never mind. No, that yeah. never <laughs> <laughs> Was the saying though, like you're not, you're not truly a home brewer, right? Until you've had to mop your ceiling. Exactly. I, I, I have at least had that. Yep. Yes. Yes. My, my wife knows too much about that, you know? Yeah. I know I should marry her if she stuck through that a long time, man. No showers at Trevor's house. Right. <laughs> you got three buckets fermenting in there, man. Exactly, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's not a that's not yeah. a bathroom. That's a that's a fermentation chamber. Man, man behind that curtain, that's the Hefeweizen spot. All over the fermentation, baby. Uh, <laughs> like not bathtub gin, bathtub Hefeweizen. Exactly. <laughs> So man, I, I'm running out of questions, but I, I know we got a few in the in the thing. But the last thing on my list was, uh, do you have any any dream collaborations that you'd like to do? You know, I've, I've talked to some friends in this industry, and they've talked about brewing with, you know, uh, you know, Mickler or 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 you know, um, some of the other big ones. Is there any is there any white whale out there that you'd love to to get an opportunity to brew with? That's or it. Local. I probably do. And, I, and this is not a request or ask or anything like that. But I mean, just I'm only in the very early, probably spectrum of, you know, first third of my, hopefully first third of my craft beering ex experience. You know what I mean? Kind of 20, 35, 40%, whatever. I would love to be able to do something with bells. Oh, that'd be awesome. In in the long run, you know what I'm saying? John Mallet, I respect times a trillion um, and everything that that's happened and, and Larry and everything. I just, um, that would be the coolest probably full circle thing that could ever happen. But I don't think about that. I don't think about what, what I could do. Um, I think I'm past that point. Uh, no disrespect to keeping having dreams. I love that. But I'm, I'm, I'm so in the moment um, with what's happening right now uh, and, and what's been happening with one. Well, uh, we're super motivated as teammates, you know, everyone that's on the team there is just doing the right thing. And it just, it feels great, you know, just to just kind of do the right thing. And I'm not trying to do anything. We're not trying to be anybody that we're not. Um, and I'm not trying to do, I'm not saying I'm not trying to do collaborations, but I'm trying to do the right thing. What's best for, for our community. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, on that note, no, to be honest, I should have said uh, arc light. I don't know if he's still watching. I... Yeah, come on, man. Come on. Uh, but no, we had a, we had a, we had a, a, a collaboration fall through. Uh, oh, so, yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah, but you know, I, I, I look at it, you know, and I see a lot of a lot of the breweries I love in the area doing, you know, collaborations and stuff like that. And I just think it's cool that, you know, in this industry, in this in this community that that pro brewers can get together like that and, and work together and learn from each other. And and, you know, and, and, and it's not a it's not necessarily a you against us and or, or you against me kind of scenario, you know, and I just I just think it's cool. I do. Too. I do, too. Yep. I'm that. Agreed. Cheers to that. Yeah, hey, uh, I had a question that came in uh, via text to me too. Uh, sure. So uh, the question was, do you need facial hair 
to brew good beer? Is that a requirement? I'm sorry. Can you say that again? Do you need facial hair to brew good beer? Oh. Facial hair. Ed Nash from ArcLight doesn't have facial. He hair. does not. He does uh, not. Uh, <laughs> neither does neither does Jake Losey from uh, Presidential. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah, sometimes. sometimes. He looked like he was like getting into it. So, but I'm gonna say, yeah. hey, I'll be, I'm gonna hit that one on Ed, the Ed, Ed man, Ed. All right, we, we got another question, and this one's this one's uh, closer to my heart uh, from Mr. Drew Doster here. Uh, we did a few off-flavor uh, trainings uh, through Keepers of Craft. Trevor, do you have any particular off-flavors that you're sensitive to? And I actually think this would be good for uh, maybe Brian and uh, Jason to answer as well, just so we... Sure. So, yeah, go for it. I'll go first, I guess. Uh, yeah, go for it. That. Um, I'm super-duper sensitive to diacetyl. Uh, and um, I, I'm um, pretty darn sensitive to oxidation. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I had some experiences with diacetyl earlier in my career, and it's changed for the worse. Really? You know what I mean? Just like, you know, just. You start tasting it everywhere. Uh, sort just, of, or... I feel like I'm sensitive, but, you know, yeah. everyone has different thresholds and all of that. But. Mm. Uh, I drink my beer super cold. Uh, so I, uh, that's one way that I've been able to mitigate that if it is in different things, but um, that's all. But I, you know, I try not to, you know, where I am in my position, I am lucky at not lucky. I'm, we're, um, I'm thrilled to not have to think about off flavors that often, like almost ever here at one well and that's the best thing i can say you know what i mean no it's 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 true yeah but i am i'm sensitive to diacetyl and and oxidation i think oxidation is the one that gets me the most like i question diacetyl all the time and i i wonder if i'm tasting it or if i'm thinking it but oxidation you know and tasting the beer is like we you know so my role in the club is 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 competition coordinator i'm trying to convince everybody and keepers of craft to to, to enter their beers because I don't think you're going to get any better feedback than, you know, yeah. impartial judge feedback. Sure. Um, and then I, I get to try a lot of beers. And the one that I get the most, I think, all the time is is oxidation. Okay. Uh, you're using those uh, barrier caps, the oxygen barrier? Yep. Oxygen I, think I, I think they're pretty standard now, but um, I think it's, it's, it's in the transfer of your beer. It's in, yeah. you know, purging your vessels. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yep, purging your carboy, purging your vessels, as Brian recently taught me, you know, uh, you know, sealing your and I was I was talking to um one of my guys, one of my uh sellermen that's brewing man, or just don't just do it in less steps. Maybe just do it, maybe just do a primary, crack it there, move it into the into the so that you're not even messing it up. You know, he was just like, Trev, man, I'm doing all this stuff, and I just feel like you know, maybe I, maybe I'm just one less thing to keep perfectly clean or whatever, you know what I mean? Or perfectly less sanitized. And I can respect that. You know, when I, when I first started, I secondaried everything. Me too. I just thought I had to. Tertiary, quadruary. And and as I'm learning, as I've grown, as, as I think my beer's gotten better, I've, I've really, I don't secondary hardly anything. 
You know, right I mean, agreed. Uh, you know, some some fruited beers maybe, but hell, there's even been times with like a raspberry stout where I just I just pitched raspberries in the primary and yeah, you know, yeah, and or what I could suggest just on that note, just because now you got me thinking, but or, or on that note, you know, just transferred on day five instead of seven or whatever. Uh, yep. So that there's actually you're only through seventy percent of the fermentation, and right? That it's actually going to create a quick uh, oxygen bar- uh, CO two barrier. Exactly. Um, I'll kind of do right. a well. Well, oh, sorry. So, go ahead, no, Brian. no, no. You're fine. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to give like a quick like one two. So uh, uh, diacetyl for those that aren't familiar is uh, it's like a uh, mm. the flavor is is more of like a like it's like a buttered popcorn flavor. They actually use it in buttered popcorn like flavoring for like movie theaters and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so in beer, when when Trevor's talking about diacetyl, it's more of sort of a uh, like a buttery uh, sort of uh, flavor. It's a uh, it's a it's a precursor right to to what ethanol. Trevor or something like that. I can't remember. Correct, man. Yeah. So, Um, so what happens? Like the main thing that happens in the fermentation is that sure, the a lot of us know that the yeast eats the sugars, cool, and it creates alcohol. But there's actually something else that happens after that is that the yeast needs to a lot of byproducts that are nasty. And that's a really super, super important part of the the fermentation process. It's actually not the fermentation, but it's right after the fermentation that the yeast has to reabsorb a lot of these off flavors, such as the acid. Cool. See that tape. And then uh, Jason mentioned oxidation too. And uh, that seems to be kind of, it has like more descriptors. Some people get like wet cardboard. Some people get like uh, sherry flavors. Um, Imagine kind of like a, Sometimes, sometimes people even get like tomatoey ketchup flavors, but it's uh imagine like chewing like on some like dry, like sherry soaked, you know, paper or something like that, like those kind of flavors, right? Like um, people will get that in, in beers a lot, and and when IPAs oxidize too, don't they? Like like special things happen with, with hops and stuff, right? They get kind of brown yeah. sometimes, or they lose a lot of their aroma. Yeah, you're totally correct. Um, I get a lot of different flavors with uh, a lot of, a lot of different off flavors with different styles of beer with oxidation. So whether it be a light yellowish or nothing beer, um, oxidation tastes different in that than it does in a red amberish malty beer. Um, it just tastes a little different than it does in a dark stout chocolatey beer oxidation tastes a little different than it does in an IPA oxidation tastes a little different, but all together, they are all oxidation and they're all gross. And so <laughs> once, again, <laughs> once again, I'll just tell y'all once again, trying to show you the date code, but it didn't work on this one. Check your date codes. And you guys, uh, so, so when, when professional breweries can their stuff, you guys are taking, uh, like, do you guys take DO levels, dissolved oxygen levels and stuff? Positively, man. Um, if you're not checking your, checking good date codes and, uh, going to breweries that really believe in, in making sure that their DO levels are super low, you're getting, you're getting stale oxidized beer as soon as you buy it. And that's fun for anybody. Um, we, we definitely positively check our DO levels in tank, uh, in, you know, primary tank, in secondary tank, if that's what that style beer called for. Um, we check our DO level uh, just prior to canning, like I, like I was saying, in those tanks. And we check it 
uh, after canning in the can and then shaken in the can, which kind of result like suggests what it would be like later. Um, we have, we have, we have found different, since we started canning, what, two and a half years ago, almost, we have learned a lot. And so I'm happy to say that we've continued to get everything tighter and tighter. Um, making sure that the same kind of thing uh, as you were talking about Jason Ness there uh, maybe dry hopping a beer uh, a day or two earlier to making sure that there's still a little bit of fermentation so that when we open up the top cap and we're throwing in 45 or 66 or you know what I'm trying to say 85 pounds of hops that no oxygen's getting in that there's actually still some positive pressure going out Um, a lot of some some things like that have really helped but we positively look at that um, and we're getting better and we're doing a super great job right now. And I, I only believe that we'll, we'll stay at the level, uh, that we are and get, continue to get better. Awesome. And, and, Jordan, on, that, and on that note, every beer is a little bit different. Sure. Um, when you're adding something to a beer like coffee that, and you're adding, you know, even to the secondary and they're still in fermentation, you're adding something that even if you just get it from the roaster and throw it right in, which we do at ASAP it's still going to have some oxygen in it. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. It, um, and it, uh, so it's about eliminating it in multiple steps rather than trying to, you know, yeah, man, I'm, yeah. we're I'm so super sensitive. We're so conscious about the things that we're doing. Um, the, the beer can stand for six, nine months and be great. You know what I mean? Sure. I'd like, I'd like it to be a year, but Hey, can't always give it to want. Right on. Do you have uh, some sensitivities, Jordan? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I was gonna say. Uh, I think um, Drew Doster also pointed uh, pointed out the same thing. He said, "Thanks for the answer." Uh, oh, somebody else shared it. Uh, but yeah, his sensitivities to aldehyde. That's uh, yeah. yeah. Pardon me, acetaldehyde. That's 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 my uh, superpower as well. Yeah. Um, I remember when you first started brewing. You you brought me down to your basement and you took a sample out of uh, your your beer. I, I mean, this was all the time too. Well, this is before you, I think you even knew maybe what this off flavor was. You're like, I taste apple. Like, do you taste apple? And I'm like, no, man. Like, I don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's almost a fault, fault for me because I, I taste it in, you know, commercial examples. I haven't in a long time, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's my, uh, on, on the other side though, like, um, but uh, I can't remember what compound does like nail polish, but that's, that's something that I am not that's, susceptible to. Ethyl acetate, I believe. Yeah. Acetate, yeah. yeah. Brian, I think you, you said you, you had a beer that had something like that in a while ago and I taste that. I was like, I don't taste anything. I, like, I don't remember a beer from Brian like that, but a mustard. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a, there was a keepers meeting uh, during the summer. Um, where I and, and Ryan Walsh says case for Quike, but uh, so I used uh, Juggernaut, uh, which is a yeast blend, a Quike yeast blend from uh, Maniacal Yeast Labs, and uh, I underpitched it, and it didn't have enough nutrients, and I fermented that sucker at like ninety-five degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. and uh, that oh, yeah. thing tasted like straight up orange juice nail polish, like it was. I, I kept some for a while to bring to Lovely. the meeting as like an off flavor, you know, like example of like, 
this is what ethyl acetate tastes like you guys like i've never had it before so here share my uh <laughs> <laughs> but it's good you learn you learn from everything right <laughs> yeah that's that's what i learned i don't really taste it that's <laughs> unless i'm apparently drinking straight nail polish that's yeah, you, you have a lower threshold and i've i've yeah. actually never tasted like green apple in any beer ever i just don't think i have like a sensitivity to it no. which yeah. like trevor mentioned earlier is like a blessing sometimes because I'm throwing I mean, it helps you enjoy beer more, right? If you can't like if you're not analyzing and tasting all the off flavors and stuff. Yeah, I'm throwing yeah. up a little bit in my mouth just hearing you guys talk. So <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, moving on. So the, the, the last the, the last comment made me think of this one. So so Jeff Perginzer uh in the Keepers of Craft, he says, Do you think a lot of craft beer lager trend is gonna go towards the pseudo lagers, fermenting warm or using Oslo Vikes, for example, or traditional uh with longer lager times. What do you guys use? Have you done any lagers and, and how are you lagering? I am a traditional uh, believer. And so, yes, we have positively done lagers. I won't do anything less than like two months, like three months is a standard like fermentation, you know what I'm saying? Lager time. Um, I'll at least do two months. Uh, and more, more than, more often than, less often we'll be able to do three months it all depends on, on tank space and stuff like that and your refrigeration um i believe that the small craft brewers will do it the right way um and the larger craft brewers will the larger you know craft brewers will do it like uh, i mean solid gold uh and i'm not ripping on solid gold because i like to drink that but i'll tell you right now our opener is way more enjoyable for a super similar thing. And majority of the time, I'm going to want just a little bit more flavor and just a hint more body than, than what I get from that. Um, so I, I openers are Blondale, right? That's correct. Openers are our openers are Blondale. Uh, no. so, so I, I do see loggers continuing to get more popular and stuff like that. Um, I hope that people do it the right way. Yeah. But, you know, we all have different belief systems. You know, I've I've had some great craft lagers. You know, uh, a 21st uh, El Sully for a Mexican lager has been, uh, yeah. that's an amazing beer. Uh, you know, uh, Ed, bringing up Arclight, he's doing some good stuff with PBR, Pro Brewers Reserve, if he's yeah. still watching. Uh, an amazing craft lager. But I, I will say that that, that Oslo Vike, like, fad hit yeah. hard, you know, a couple of years ago. And, and yeah. And unfortunately, I think we got some real shit out of it. Like it, it. Uh, there were a lot of people like, "Hey, I think I can do a lager in in a week or two weeks right. or whatever," and it just didn't. It, it wasn't good. I'm glad that I, uh, one burned through quicker. Or well, so, <laughs> I'll, and, and and I will. Uh, I'm for like a uh, you know Oslo. So so for those that aren't familiar with like Vike strains and stuff, Oslo is supposed to be like a very fast fermenting, clean fermenting yeast strain that can ferment at like high temps and stuff like that, like way beyond normal ale temps. We're talking like high nineties, and yeah. uh, but it doesn't have that same lager taste that you get with like some of the lagers, like uh, maybe just a hint of sulfur that is sometimes kind of yeah. appropriate or whatever. It's just it's more of like a like what you'd get out of opener, maybe just like super clean, yeah. like just, uh, it, and it's interesting, but I, it's definitely not like the end all be all to like, I don't know, to quick loggers, I guess. I still think like Trevor was saying, 
Like, some traditional take, is still there's something about it. That, some things take just take time, mm -hmm. right? And you need you need your Patience, time. Patience. Patience. That's right. Now that said, because uh, I, I hope some of them are watching, but we have a, a kind of like a sister club on the other side of the state uh, called the Livingston Livingston Social Brew Club. Great fucking group of guys. Livingston. Cheers to Livingston. Cheers Livingston. Uh, <laughs> last year at Homebrew Fest, they did a beer where they brewed it. They mashed in and they fucking pitched at Homebrew Fest, fermented. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they, I don't, they may have crashed it. If somebody from Livingston's on, they can clarify. Um, and then served it. So Homebrew Fest lasts like three days. And yeah. They, they brewed a beer I'll and do that. had it on site and had it on tap. I do that. Oh, and yeah. it was, it was awesome. It was cool. Yeah. It was like, yeah, this is neat. You know, this shit, here it is, you know, third week of August is a hundred degrees. And this shit's, you know, fucking chewing through the, 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 the wart in this, uh, you know, campground. That was neat. But all of these, all of these breweries that just dumped on this Vike strain and, and started putting out, you know, Vike loggers. And I just, it's just, it was, you know, take your time. If, if I want to do the personally, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever, uh, I'll do whatever. I'm just saying. If the owner wants to do a Vike strain, we'll do it. <laughs> We're doing a lot of stuff, a lot of weird shit. We're doing everything. So who knows? We might do it. But in my opinion, if I'm going to do a quick fermenting lager, I'll do a steam style ale. I'll do a steam right. beer. I'll All do right. the best fucking steam ale that you've seen out in the east side of West Mississippi. I'm just trying <laughs> <laughs> to be cocky. Outside of Anchor, right? I get you. you know I mean? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, I respect that. I love the San Francisco lager yeast. You know what I mean? And I, I, I know what that can do, and we can ferment that up to 62, 64, and, and really get that through in a month and make that kill it. But um, doing something in two weeks, I think that's greedy. I, I, I have a Per, it's a personal thing where, you know, patience, man. Patience. Art takes patience. Patience. Yeah. Patience. All right. Anybody else got any more questions in chat? I know you guys have been active and I appreciate it. You know, for the first time, uh, for this is our first time doing this shit. Uh, you, you know, we've got a great community that's supporting us. And, and Trevor, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, so that said, unless anybody's got any questions, uh, go get some uh, moral dilemma. Uh, hit up, hit up Trevor. Drink some one well, one well beer. Uh, one well's killing it in Kalamazoo, even even in in the COVID days. Uh, you know, you guys are nailing it. Like I went through and I got I got the moral dilemma for for the crew here, and you know the the drive up and all that shit. You guys are doing it, nailing it. Thank you very much. Um, a lot um, of work, a lot of good people doing the right things. You know what I mean? Great. Yeah. Leaders. Great. Yeah, leaders. absolutely. So thanks again, everybody. And unless anybody's got anything else, Trevor, I love you, man. Bless you all. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, for having me, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs>